Welcome, everyone, to another edition on this Sunday of BAMS Radio. We're going to be talking Alabama 48, Tennessee 17, 14 straight wins over the Tennessee Volunteers. As This is not a rivalry anymore. It's complete domination for the University of Alabama. Nick Saban's mastery of Tennessee continues. Only negative news out of the weekend, of course, is the season-ending injury on the opening play of the game to Jalen Waddell, the electric, uh, probably most explosive player in the country. What a season he was having for the University of Alabama that is now done. He has the double whammy, uh, high ankle sprain, which is what I initially thought it was. I thought we might see him have to have a surgical procedure like Tua Tungvaluwa had a couple times like Jalen Hurts, maybe be out a, a few weeks and be back. But it was – uh, you know, uh, not to be because he also had a fracture. Uh, he was flown back on a private jet with the Andrews uh, doctors uh, and uh, was supposed to have surgery either last night or today. So thoughts and prayers out to Jalen Waddle and a speedy recovery. Uh, we really enjoyed watching him in a Crimson Tide uniform the last two and a half seasons. Likely we'll move on to the NFL, but we'll see. It's going to depend probably on how quickly he heals. Uh, but certainly he'll get outstanding medical care and hopefully be able to make a full recovery. But I'm Drew DeArmond, your host of BAMS Radio here tonight, along with my two cohorts, my co-host Thomas Watts, the wizard from Mobile, who's also producing this show, and then our third cohort uh, from 89 to 93, a national champion for the Crimson Tide, William Redfish Barger. And I guess, William, just to to quickly uh, put the negative in the rear view, certainly – uh, there's been some criticism because uh, Jalen Waddle was uh, returning kickoffs, but we all know how good of a uh, kickoff and punt returner he was. He was for two and a half seasons. He was a uh, first-team All-American as a returner a year ago. Uh, you know, arguably you could, he could have downed it in the end zone, but the guy wants to make a play. Anytime he touches the ball, he's capable of scoring. And to me, it's just one of those fates of football that happens every now and then. Uh, certainly, uh, it seems to happen to Alabama more than most. But I guess that's why they recruit at such a high level. Now, we hate to see that, but, again, it's just part of the game. Yeah, I don't understand the mindset of somebody being upset about Jalen Waddell getting hurt, uh, you know, returning kicks or punts. I mean, that would be like, do, do you not want to a tongue of Iloa to drop back to pass? Because that seems to be when he gets hurt. Yeah. Um, you know, when, somebody, when somebody's doing what they do best and they get hurt, I mean, that, that's just part of the game. Um, obviously you weren't expecting it on the first play of the game and, you know, God, you hate to see that it, it, uh, you know, turned out the way that it did and ended his season and, and, you know, might've, you know, tapped the brakes a little bit on what, what was shaping up to be the best offense in college football. Um, but you know, it's, it's like any injury at any position, you know, next man up. Now we get to see what, you know, Slade Bolden and, and possibly Javon Baker can do. And, um, you know, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. I mean, it's, that, you, you hate to, you know, turn the page on one guy, but that's just kind of the way this sport is, is, you know, when somebody's lost, you got to start pulling for the guy that's out there playing, not for the guy that's standing over there on the sideline and crutches because he can't play. Well, and William, I wanted to get your thoughts. I, I thought it was brilliant by Steve Sarkeesian on the first play of the game to get Slade Bold into football and then to get him a lot of touches in the first quarter and first half. He did have the unfortunate fumble, and then he couldn't hang on to the 110-mile-an-hour fastball from Bryce Young in the end zone. But I thought, given this was his first extensive action as a part of the offense, he didn't have any catches going into the game. I thought, you know, six catches for 94 yards, while it's not the explosiveness of a Jalen Waddle, still I thought it was outstanding. And uh, I think he proved himself that he can be a part of this offense. What did you think of uh, the uh, redshirt sophomore's performance? Oh, I thought he did very well for himself. And, uh, you know, I think he actually showed some, you know, some glimpses that, you know, obviously he's not going to draw double coverage next week versus Mississippi State like Jalen Waddell um, would have. But, you know, I think the, the the key to keeping this dynamic passing game going is, is you know, now it's starting to look like that maybe they're going to have to double cover John Mechie. Um, <laughs> right. You know, along, along with Devonta Smith, which – is, is going to, you know, create more opportunities for Slade Bolden, whoever's out there in that third wide receiver role. And, and so, yeah, I, I did. I mean, I, I think that, you know, this season is really starting to, 
you know, sh- you know, prove and, sh- and showcase just what a dynamic play caller Steve Sarkeesian is, um, you know, to be, to, to be dealt a hand like that. Uh, before your first offensive snap, you lose your best playmaker on offense, and, you know, the offense really, um, you know, I, I expected them maybe to score a few more points on Tennessee than they did, but you certainly can't argue with the output. Um, you know, I would like to have seen them, um, you know, maybe get Bryce into the game, um, you know, with the full complement of the first-team offense and not, you know, run the ball, run the ball, and then make him pass it on an obvious third down. Um you know, I'd like to see him get a little bit more work in some of these blowouts than he has. Um, you know, with the full complement of the offense and not a patchwork offensive line. But, um, you know, all in all, I don't think there's any complaints on the offensive side of the football. No, I mean, I thought they just kept rolling. I mean, uh, you know, uh, and I thought it was if, if Waddle was going to get hurt, the first play of the game uh, was probably the best time because it allowed the offense to – to uh, operate without him for the full contest and, and see what they had to do and the adjustments that Steve Sarkeesian had to make. Uh, certainly, John Mechie stepped up. You just mentioned him. Seven catches for 151 yards. Uh, outstanding production. Was able to get deep. Uh, and I thought uh, another, another yeah, you know, uh, kind of myth that I think went by the wayside, Colin Cowherd, of course, went on the record nationally as saying that it wasn't Mac Jones, it was the wide receivers. Well, the most dangerous receiver did not play against Tennessee in Mac's stat line. While he didn't throw a touchdown pass, 25 of 31 for 387 is pretty good. And Slade Bolden stepped up. So I think people need to start understanding just how good Mac Jones is. Yeah, I guess maybe now we know who that SEC coach was last week in that article that was you know anonymously breaking down the – the Alabama offense, I guess Callan Coward was the guy that said he still had questions <laughs> about the Alabama QB. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Well, he played at a very high level, was very efficient, uh, and that's been the key so far. And I've just been marveling at the deep ball throws. I, I he even gave Mechie a couple opportunities against double coverage, but still laid it up there for him to be able to go get it. And so, to me, uh, I just thought it was an A performance from Mac. Uh, certainly no turnovers. Uh, another that's another big key. Uh, and then Alabama was able to supplement it, you know, with Najee Harris and an outstanding running attack. Uh, you know, the, the, the injury bug bit a little bit because Brian Robinson had an excellent drive, scored a touchdown, uh, but he was taken out for precautionary reasons. He should be okay, but they decided to give Najee a little bit of a heavier load. And then when they worked in Trey Sanders, who it's kind of amazing. Once you're behind that first-team offensive line a little bit, you know, you start having some holes and you're able to run it. But, William, I thought except for a couple of penalties from Evan Neal, uh, the offensive line, they gave Mac Jones all day to throw. I thought it was outstanding. Yeah, and I, you know, I guess I was a little bit surprised. Maybe, maybe Tennessee was a little bit more physical than we gave them credit for because I think yesterday was probably the most the tent. Uh, doors have been opened and shut during the course of a football game this fall. I mean, you saw Miller Forrestal hit the tent. Uh, Deontay Brown hit the tent. So, um, you know, maybe they were a little bit more physical than we gave them credit for. But, yeah, I mean, this offensive line, um, you know, rings the bell every week. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, if, if we want to, you know, get into what you want to bitch and complain about, we need to shift to the other side of the ball. Well, William, I wanted to ask you, though, about the offensive line in one aspect. You mentioned Deontay Brown. He did go out with a uh, shoulder injury that's not considered serious. He missed about half the game. Uh, you, you mentioned Miller Forstall. He had a stinger, but he was okay. I believe he returned. Uh, so he's a little banged up, but certainly showing toughness and being out there. No Carl Tucker. He still had the uh, hamstring injury. Probably be back after the bye. LeBron Ray, same deal uh, with his dislocated elbow. We knew he was going to miss a few weeks. Hopefully we'll come back for LSU. We're not positive on that yet I think he's still been in some pain uh no question about it but Chris Owens I thought did a serviceable job at center we always kind of worry about that he's a senior he's kind of the Swiss army knife but you know we knew Landon Diggerson could handle guard he did last year but I thought for the most part Owens did a good job and I think that's the ideal situation if he he can come in and give you a quarter or two I don't he's a guy I don't think you want to have starting for a long period of time but I thought as a backup, he was solid yesterday in keeping that O-line going. 
Yeah, he was. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, you saw the offensive line run block well. Um, you know, they, they protected Mike very well. Um, like you said, there were some, uh, you know, legal procedure penalties. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I thought it was a very good performance uh, by the Alabama offensive line. By the Alabama offense, um, you know, period. I think, you know, Miller Forstall continues to, you know, get more comfortable in his role and is starting to, uh, you know, make some noise in that passing attack on underneath routes and, you know, giving Mac Jones another, you know, target to look for out there. So um, lots of positives, I think, in this Alabama offensive performance yesterday in Knoxville. Yeah, no question. And and uh, is it safe to say, I mean, he's never going to be Mark Bavaro, okay? But to me, it looks like Miller Forstall might be one of the more improved players on the team. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, certainly he's a guy that, that, you know, falls in there with LeBron Ray and, and uh, you know, some of the injury-prone guys on this team. And, and a lot of guys can't help it. That's their bodies failing them, not their, not their mental toughness or their minds. Um, and, and certainly he's had to fight through quite a few injuries in his Alabama career. But, yeah, it's, it's, and it's great to see him, you know, kind of putting it all together. I, you know, that was my first thought, um, you know, when they took him to the tent yesterday was, you know, God, he separated his shoulder, dislocated his shoulder. And, um, you know, you looked over there and you saw Deontay Brown not using his right arm. I, you know, I, I would be willing to guess that, you know, both of those guys probably had stinger issues. Yeah, I would, I would think that's pretty uh... – uh, a pretty good guess uh, as to the, the severity of the in, injury. We did see some Jaleel Billingsley at tight end. He had a catch near the end of the half uh, where it allowed Alabama to run one more play uh, with a second left. So he's getting some playing time. We saw Cameron Latu as well, Kendall Randolph. So they're playing a lot of tight ends, playing a, a, you know several and getting them involved offensively. Uh, Devontae Smith, Steady Eddie, I think he saw some double coverage when uh, Waddle went out. Still managed to catch seven passes, though, for 73 yards. They were able to get him the football, move him around. We talked about Slade Bolden, six for 94 yards. John Mechie, outstanding. Seven catches, 151, 21.6 per catch as he continues to make explosive plays for this offense. And now it's going to be even more heightened due to the uh, season-ending injury for Jalen Waddell. And, and, of course, William, they've got a – uh, find a way in the special teams. It'll be interesting to see. Looked like Trey Sanders was getting some opportunities to return kickoffs, and we saw Slade Bolden back there in punt return. Maybe not as explosive now, but still uh, Slade with another chance to expand his repertoire. I still think you don't underestimate him, but certainly no one is Jalen Waddle on this team. No, but I, I think, you know, it's going to be a little bit different, but, you know, um, you know, certainly, you know, Trey Sanders was very good on kick returns and punt returns at the high school level, um, at the highest, you know, level of high school football. And, uh, I mean, I, I watched him do it uh, here in Birmingham two or three years ago to Hoover High School. Um, but, um, you know, who knows what, what the, the Slade Bolden role with all this stuff will turn into. And, you know, I think it'll give, you know, some other guys, probably Javon Baker, um, you know, an opportunity to maybe slide into that, that fourth wide receiver role. Um, you know, maybe somebody else emerges. I mean, we, we haven't really seen, um, you know, how deep and, and talented this Alabama wide receiver room is because of, you know, those three headliners, at least so far through the um, 2020 season in, in Mechie, Waddle, and, and Devonta Smith. And our mutual friend, Rod Muir, I was uh, texting with him last night, William, as we continue our conversation here on BAMS Radio. And uh, I, he made a good point, though, because uh, with as electric as Jalen Waddle was and an All-American, of course, he was going to be a big part of the game plan. Uh, Javante Smith, you know, one of the best wide receivers in, in Alabama football history, having a great year. And then we, we saw the emergence of Mechie. So there wasn't really a fourth receiver getting a lot of touches. So... Uh, you know, uh, Slade Bolden, uh, his role is now increased. He will be the third guy uh, almost assuredly with Jalen Waddle's injury. But because you don't have another explosive guy, at least right now, like Waddle, uh, Rodney made the point, and I agree with him, that Alabama probably now needs to get a fourth receiver involved to also help Devontae Smith. He's going to get extra attention uh, and John Mechie. So uh, it might turn into a situation where they try to get four wide receivers touches. And so, you bringing up Javon Baker is interesting because we heard a lot about him in fall camp. 
uh, about how he was making plays. He had some COVID-related issues to start the season, so he hasn't been involved. We haven't seen him very much. So I'm going to be interested going forward and then coming out of the bye to see if we see a guy like Javon Baker start getting some chances. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I, I, you know, I felt like Alabama needed to do a better job, especially, um, you know, with the way these games have been so lopsided, you know, not only to get a third running back some, some reps and get them comfortable, um, but also, too, you know, to go a little bit deeper down that roster, um, you know, at the wide receiver position. And now, you know, they're going to be forced to do it because of an injury. Yeah, that's a, a very good point, no doubt about it. And so – We'll see how they get them, uh, who they get involved now uh, in this offense, and if it, if they can get a fourth receiver involved, get them a few touches, and get you know help them develop because certainly uh, this wide receiver group, Devonte Smith, will move on to the NFL. Likely Waddle could do the same thing. So Mechie would be back probably as your number one guy, but you'd have to be rebuilding the rest of it. And Slade Bolden, uh, you know, starting to get touches will be big because he'd be a part of that offense as well uh, going forward. So we'll just have to, you know, see where it goes. But certainly that's one of the things I'm going to be really interested to see because Trayshawn Holden played a little bit yesterday in the second half, William. I know he didn't catch a pass, but he's another young receiver. you got Tyu Jones-Bell, certainly uh, Xavier Williams so, uh, and Javon Baker. So it's going to come out of that group and see, uh, you know, uh, who – maybe can earn, uh, you know, more playing time and, and, and the tr- earn the trust of the coaching staff uh, going forward. But I wanted to bring in Thomas Watts as well. Uh, so, uh, we're wrapping up the conversation about this offense. Uh, Thomas, uh, certainly everyone was, you know, distraught and upset about losing Jalen Waddell. But I still thought uh, that Steve Sarkeesian did a masterful job calling plays and spreading the football around. This is still an elite offense. And I, one of the best in college football, even without Jalen Waddle, and I think that says a lot for uh, you know the personnel that Alabama still has at its disposal. It says a lot about the program, Drew. Uh, Jalen Waddle is fantastically good as a college football player, and at least against Tennessee, there wasn't that much drop off. Now, I haven't sat down and watched the All Twenty Two look to see how coverage is adjusted and whatnot. But I got a lot of questions from people, you know, what does Jalen Waddell's injury mean for both the Alabama offense and the Alabama football team? Now, in terms of how you defend this Alabama offense, you're probably going to end up doing stuff where you roll coverage to whatever side Devontae Smith's on and just pray you have a corner that can go man up against John Mechie. There are other ways around it, but that's that's one of the things that um, – opposing defensive coordinators will be able to do. But in terms of what the loss means to the team, it's the way I describe it is thus. The ceiling for what this football team is got a little bit lower. And more than that, the margin for error that this team has got a little bit lower. So some of the issues that we've seen on defense, some, some of the bad angles, some of the, the, the missed tackles. Now, there are only four missed tackles, I believe, uh, this past game so against Tennessee. So that's, that's getting cleaned up. But what was a situation where Alabama could get into a shootout with an Ole Miss, that gets a little bit dicier as Alabama goes through some attrition, Drew. But overall, it's credit to the program that the offense continue to hum along. And we'll see. The, the thing I know we're heading towards next is the defense. And for all the wailing and gnashing of teeth, Alabama did hold the Tennessee offense to under five yards of play and four of 16 on third down. And even rare treat of treats, Several three and outs. So it's not, you know, the sky is not falling on the Alabama Crimson Tide season. And they scored on defense. Malachi Moore once again uh, being Johnny on the spot. William, I wanted to bring you back in. Uh, Defensively, certainly some progress. Still some concerns, of course, uh, with this group. Uh, But I thought it was big that they scored on uh, to uh, start the second half and kind of put the game away. 
Malachi Moore is certainly not Minka Fitzpatrick. I've only seen one of those. Those cats don't come along often. But he still seems to have a just an, an, a, just a, an instinct and just a, a, a feel for where the football is going to be. He's always around the ball. And I really like what I've seen early out of the young man. And he has a short memory as well. He's made some mistakes, but he just keeps playing. And I thought, uh, you know, him uh, getting the, the uh, scoop and score was big to kind of put the game away early in the third quarter. Yeah, no, I think he has been one of the lone bright marks on this 2020 Alabama defense. Um, you know, when you when you look at the depth that was back there when he got on campus, I think he's really done a great job of, you know, becoming one of the regulars back there and, you know, always seems to be around the football. But, you know, I'm not gnashing teeth and I'm not, you know, calling for anybody to be fired. I gave up on doing that this time last year. Um, but, you know, this is the same offense that scored seven points against Kentucky last week. Um, there's zero pass rush. They're getting blown off the ball against the run. Bad angles. Um, you could, you know, run a run a release pattern with the tight end to one side and a wheel route to the running back with the other. Neither inside linebacker is going to pick them up. You know, Patrick Sertain, for Christ's sakes, got burnt twice yesterday. It's just – you know, same song, different verse, and, and you don't see any development. Um, you know, I'm, I'm starting to wonder why they, you know, if, if the guys on that defensive line aren't going to progress and develop with the, 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 you know, the starting, you know, too deep, then let's see more of Burroughs and Timmy Smith. Um, they at least look excited to run around out there and make plays when they do get a chance. Um, I'm not gnashing teeth. I just, just think it's a very mediocre, subpar Alabama defense. Well, I mean, I, you bring up a good segue there, though. I thought in the second half we saw a ton of Jamil Burroughs and uh, Tim Smith in there together, and I thought the run defense was better in the second half because of it because uh, there was a few times in the first half Tennessee was basically trying to give up. They were running the football in third and eight and converting, but I thought, honestly, we got a better activity level out of those two young cats, and they're both true freshmen, William, than we saw out of D.J. Dale. No, I agree. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, if if this Pete Golding-led defense, and I'm not going to lay it all at his feet. This has been a Nick Saban problem for half a decade now. But, you know, if this defense plays a quarterback that, you know, runs a 4-8 or better 40, um, you know, if the pocket breaks down, the guy's going to nine times out of ten take off and pick up the first down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just – you know, fundamental defensive football um, just doesn't seem to be a priority. And, uh, you know, like, like you said, if, if they can't get the guys to produce that are supposed to do it or being, you know, supposed to be the first team guys, then, then put the babies out there, uh, let them get blown off the ball and, and uh, you know, take their lumps and learn and get better. It's just, you know, you, you, you watch that offense. And, uh, you know, and I get a lot of the stuff that I'm bitching and complaining about is, is just the state of college football these days. I mean, you're not going to see, you know, shutouts anymore like you did 10 years ago. Um, but it's just the way that they get their first downs and the way that they get their points that frustrate me. Yeah, I can understand it. I mean, even late in the game, uh, you know, that we saw uh, Jared Garantano uh, you know, running for first downs on on third down and long, third down and nine, ten and eleven. Uh, when the middle of the field was wide open, the middle linebackers were trying to cover. You know, then they struggle with that. But I will say this: Jim Chaney was about the first uh, OC that I saw that didn't try to attack Alabama in the middle of the field with the tight ends and the backs that much. I thought that was uh, kind of a uh, not a smart move on his part. Uh, but I think in some ways. Jeremy Pruitt and Tennessee were trying to hide their quarterback, William, and you can't do that and, and win against a high level of an opponent. You've got to have a quarterback that can consistently make plays. I mean, Garantano, he was okay. I think he was 13 to 24 for about 162 yards. But still, that it, it, you have to be a lead at the quarterback position to, to win in the SEC and win championships. And that's why uh, the one thing Garantano did was throw the deep ball, as you said. Sertain got beat on a touchdown. Certainly Jordan Battle got beat badly by the true freshman uh, for Tennessee. So, uh, you know, but again, and there's some concerns there. I, I'm, I'm the most concerned really about the secondary. I did think Joe, Josh Joe played well, 
And Sertain's been, you know, yesterday was probably the first time that he gave up a couple of plays, especially vertically. But I think the corners have been pretty solid. I just worry about the safeties. And what I mean by that is Jordan Battle has been, a, it's been pretty good, but he got beat yesterday. And then we all know the Daniel Wright situation. But I will say this. I thought it was big, and he almost got an interception late. Brian Branch played more and more. Talking about those young pups. I'd like to see more of him and more of DeMarco Helms. Helms got a little banged up. I think he may have also had a stinger issue late in the second half. But I want to see Helms and Branch and less of Daniel Wright because I think Daniel Wright can play a role, but I think the less snaps he plays is probably the better for Alabama. Well, I'll, I'll, you know, I don't necessarily disagree with you about your concerns about the safeties, but I'll, I'll throw another one out there. Were you more impressed with Will Anderson in the first two ball games of the year or the last two ball games of the year? I would probably say the first couple. I mean, I know he, he felt like he, I, just reading his body language yesterday, I think he felt like he was close a couple of times to breaking through and getting to the QB, but I didn't see as many flash plays out of him. I did see some things from Chris Allen that still look pretty good. I think he's still been an underrated guy with the, with the way he's played this year. But I didn't see as much out of Will yesterday as we've seen, I thought, that maybe the first couple of weeks. You know, it, it almost seems like a repeat. And I'm not just talking about him. I could say this about quite a few of the front seven guys. But it almost looks like, you know, 2019 2.0 to me. I mean, you just don't see guys getting better um, throughout the course of the season like they're supposed to. Um, you know, I would say Byron Young and Justin Abogier were the two last year that, that caught my eye the most as far as being, you know, the same player that they were at the beginning of the season versus versus Michigan. Yeah, I mean, I, I did. I thought I saw Byron Young and uh, and, and Justin Abogier a couple times yesterday, and even Fedarian Mathis. I thought he made a couple of nice plays. But like you said, it's all about the consistency and getting home to the quarterback and. They hit the QB a few times, but they were, you know, they there was too many times where they they gave them too long and uh, too much time back there. So you're right. I mean, the, the pass rush has to get better. I think that's uh, the concern going forward. Certainly, huh, they're going to get a, a golden opportunity this coming week, William, from a pass rush and from a pattern matching and secondary perspective. Uh, now we understand Mississippi State's been struggling offensively under Mike Leach, and they I think they're going through some issues with some square peg round hole type stuff, but he's not going to change the way he plays. So they're certainly going to attack Alabama through the air. Yeah. I don't think they have to worry about being blown off the ball in the run game. <laughs> if they, if, 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 not, not, not so much because Mississippi state has a bad offensive line. They just don't attempt to run the football very much. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And then we don't even know if Tywin Hill will play. He and, you know, Najee Harris were maybe considered the top two backs in this league in the preseason. Kylan Hill has made some plays and did against LSU through the air. Hadn't done much as a runner and now has been suspended. I think he and uh, Mike Leach are not on the same page. So, going to be interesting to see if they have him in the lineup uh, as uh, the, the uh, Bulldogs of the Maroon and White come in uh, to uh, Bryant-Denny Stadium. They've really struggled since that opening win over LSU. But, again, Alabama can't take anything for granted. They've got to stay. They need to come out of it healthy going into the bye. But they've got to keep the pedal to the metal. And this is a defense for Mississippi State, William, that's much improved. It's kind of outperformed the offense with a, from a consistency standpoint. But I'll say this. If Alabama can move the football uh, on Georgia the way they did and gain nearly 600 yards, and, again, I understand that Jalen Waddell is not going to be there but I think Alabama offensively ought to be confident that they can put up numbers against anyone. Oh, absolutely. And, and that player that keeps getting in the doghouse with Mike Leach better be careful. He'll end up finding himself locked in a janitor's closet. <laughs> yeah, call Craig James. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, no, I, I don't think you're going to see this offense, you know, slow down very much or take a step backwards. I think there's plenty of weapons. Um, and again, you know, I, I hate to, you know, keep, keep, you know, trying to pop the same pimple, but, um, you know, there, there's still plenty of football left. Hopefully the defense can, you know, make some strides and get better towards the, the stretch run of the season. Um, but, you know, there, there is a lot of positives to, uh, you know, talk about with this football team. And, um, you know, this is just going to be another chance we've seen Alabama, 
Alabama's program, you know, respond to adversity like this almost every season for the last four or five years now that um, that I can think of. You know, they've lost one of their marquee players on either side of the football, sometimes both. Mm, yeah. Really, yeah, these, these injuries go – they can date all the way back to 2012. Alabama's been losing key guys and uh, not staying that healthy So uh, at times. So, they, they it's, this is old hack. They've been through this before. It, it's like you said, it's almost like next man up. Uh, no question about it. But uh, like Thomas said earlier, they still held Tennessee to 416 on third down and only about four and a half yards per play. So, there was some improvement. No doubt about it, and uh, for 17 points, you got to you'll take that all day, especially uh, with this offense. Uh, but Thomas, I'm going to bring you back in. What did you see defensively? I know it's been a little frustrating for you as well. You already talked about the bad angles and some of the uh, mistakes, and I know Christian Harris ended up with a team high 10 tackles. Now he struggled, uh, you know, at times in the first half. I thought with some opportunities to make plays. Uh, but uh, and, and uh, you know missed uh, some uh, open field tackles, but uh, as you said, not as many missed tackles this past game. But what was your overall impression of the defense? Well, the way I interpret defense is anytime you hold an offense to 300ish, and Alabama held Tennessee to 302, and under five yards of play and 25% on third down, I think that's a good performance. Um, I think that the defense wasn't horrendous, but the, here's the problem, Drew. And it, it, it's to me, the defense as a whole, just as a group of people, either doesn't trust the scheme or doesn't trust each other, or the, the scheme is so confusing that they're confused. And that's making the entire unit a step slow. Like, with the notable exception of Josh Job and Pat Sertain, who have played very, very well through the first uh, five games of the year, the middle of the defense just continues to make me scratch my head. You, know, you, all, you both of you already highlighted that DJ Dale has been single blocked more than he's occupied two gaps this year. That, that's not going to cut it in this scheme. And then confusion on the back end because you have a new player as a field general in Dylan Moses technically playing out of position. He's really built to be a will linebacker. And then the safeties have been an unmitigated disaster. So it's, it's all of these various parts and pieces that combine to give me this feel that significant portions of the Alabama defense are just running in molasses half the time they're out there. And that's going to cause issues. We saw it against Ole Miss. Frankly, we saw it against Georgia. I think there's an argument to be made that if Georgia never has to throw the ball around the yard, they could have ground Alabama away because of how effective they were running the ball. But anyway, the next question is how do you fix it? And one, and then you get into sub-questions. And to talk about the pass rush, let's talk about that. A lot of people are going back and forth saying, how do you get better pass rush? And this is where the scheme problem really rears its ugly head. One of the best ways to generate pressure with four or five, just you know, whichever you choose, is with a game up front, with a stunt, with a twist, stuff where your ends take the spots of tackles and your tackles take the spots of ends. Well, what that does is forces gap integrity even more so from your second and third levels of your defense. You know, the middle linebackers and the safeties, which have been, let's just call them a struggle session because that's what they've been. So the, the, the issue comes down to this. If the defense can get comfortable in the scheme, which is very questionable midseason, like that's not a light that generally is going to come on to the level that I would consider necessary to get there. Some of this goes away. But like William said, the ceiling of this defense is not great. I mean, it's, it's good enough. It'll get, you, it'll get you to the playoff. I don't know if it's going to win it, but you know, ask me that question when 
it's game time uh, into, in, around Christmas. But just overall, Drew, the scheme questions, it's like you can't fix one without fixing the other. And by not fixing either of them, you create some serious issues that are in se- exceedingly difficult to overcome for this Alabama defense. Well, yeah, I think the big thing is they need to simplify things. We've talked about that ad nauseum. Uh, I don't know if that's what they've done, but I know that Nick Saban has kind of referenced it. But, uh, you know, you talked about it, Thomas, is kind of paralysis by analysis. If you don't know, uh, you know, where, where you're going, uh, I, I think that uh, there, I think it's, there, there has been some confusion at times. Though I will say uh, there didn't seem to be as much. That, that when they started playing some younger guys in the fourth quarter, I remember Alabama had to call timeout before uh, getting a penalty, and Nick Saban had an aneurysm. But I thought at least, Thomas, that it looked as though there wasn't as much communication issues against Tennessee. It's just, as you said, sometimes a lack of uh, execution, not making a tackle on the open field, uh, not getting home on a pass rush. But, again, I thought at least there's a little bit less of the communication issues and better tackling, which was just – it was horrendous against Ole Miss. Well, it, here's the thing, Drew. The Ole Miss performance was so bad that it's almost impossible to reference. Like, right. It, you know, it, it, it was – I don't even want to think about it. It just – it makes my skin crawl. But here, the thing to me is – and this is one of – this is kind of where Nick Saban's loyalty comes to bite him in the rear end. And, yeah. And, I, and I'm going to – I'll name names. Frankly – DJ Dale was, has not been very good throughout this year. He, he mm-hmm. hasn't. And that was put in stark relief when the young guys came in and did stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. it's one thing to play first quarter where it's nothing, nothing, and you've got to execute. So will those young, will those young players continue to do what they did late? I don't know. But it's really hard for me – to look at the comparison of what we saw on the field and not feel like it's time to move on from DJ Dale. And it's crazy mm-hmm. that in, but that's, and it's crazy to say that because, you know, DJ Dale's spoken to the media multiple times. So it's obvious Nick Saban trusts him with some of the leadership of the team. But I go back to think of it like a few years back, how Jalen Hurts took over the quarterback job. And we talked about this a few times on this show at the time, but it was supposed to be Blake Barnett. Blake Barnett was the future, you know, happy days. And in comes Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts is a terror on the scout team, and he's a terror in spring practice, and he's a terror in fall camp to the point that the defensive leaders, the Jonathan Allens of the Alabama world, came to coach and said, Coach, this is our guy. We want to ride with this guy. So – I'm not saying that that's going to directly translate, but if those young players come in and are more productive and are able to you know, do things that Dale's struggling with, then the rest of the team will fall in line. And there are other leaders on this football team that can kind of massage some of that. So I, just, I think Nick Saban's loyalties hurt him in this case, but – in that context, if players start getting looks, and this is a pretty good team to do it, Drew. Uh, Mississippi State's not a very good football team, particularly on offense. Now, if Pete Golding comes in and plays press man the whole time, he should – He should be fired. Yeah, he should put him on – they should kiffin him and put him on a plane to Timbuktu because he is absolute cancer. But it, it, this is the kind of game where you can get a look at a bunch of offensive players. And, or defensive players, excuse me, and see what happens. Like, this mm-hmm. is perfect right. for that. And as much as, as much as LSU looked bad, they did just hang 52 on a team. So that offense at least has a pulse. Mm-hmm. Something to think about. Got to start getting ready for that game after the bye. So there are ways, there's some personnel things you can do, but I don't understand why some of these kids don't deserve a look, given where the defense has been and where the problems lie. If the nose tackle gets single blocked, then linebackers are going to get caught in the wash more often, which will force safeties to make plays. So 
it, it just, yeah, it, it can get real gnarly real quick otherwise. Yeah, and William, I got to say, I think with the emergence of Jamil Burroughs and Tim Smith, that's why you saw the boomer bust and he busted. And it doesn't surprise anyone that followed his recruitment why you saw Ismail Sopcher this week go into the transfer portal and leave Alabama. Yeah, no, and, and, and I think there was a lot of concerns, you know, before Sopcher even hit campus, you know. Yes. Concerns yeah. about his weight, concerns about his effort, concerned about his me- concerns about his mental toughness. But, you know, Thomas just basically um, made my closing argument for me in my court case on huh. – um, You're welcome. You know, by bringing up by bringing up by bringing up DJ Dale. You know, mm-hmm. DJ Dale was a guy in the spring of 2019 that that basically some of those older cats on defense gave Coach Saban the same speech that Jonathan gave uh, Jonathan mm-hmm. Allen gave Nick Saban about Jalen Hurts. You know, they said, "Hey, this guy's an alpha. You know, this guy's gonna. You know, we, we he's got to be the starter." So. The only way, the only caveat that can be thrown in here on the DJ Dale conundrum is, you know, that he's not the same player that he was prior to the knee injuries. Um, I mm-hmm. think there's been multiple at this point. And, mm-hmm. you know, if that's the case, um, you know, look, it, it's a more productive position if you put Christian Barmore in there. You know, he tips a pass. He right. disrupts. He may, you know, he gets into the backfield. Um, you, you don't even have to go as far as to – you know, putting two guys out there that you may not trust in Burroughs and Smith, even though I don't think I've seen anything out of them uh, that make you wouldn't trust them. But, you know, you've got a guy standing over there, you know, picking his nose um, next to Freddie Roach um, that, that, that could do better than what D.J. Dell's done up to this point in the season. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, uh, so I'm going to be interested to see if they continue to rotate these kids in more and more and get production uh, out of them. Not surprised with Ismail Sopcher. He was going to be, as we said, a boomer bust kid. He busted. He will be going probably to a smaller school, maybe a junior college. But uh, he, he made some progress, you know, after they came back in June. But, but, but right after that, he started to backslide again. So none of no, no one should be surprised uh, by this situation. Uh, for the University of Alabama. But, uh, again, some other promising young defensive linemen getting playing time and hopefully will continue uh, to see their roles expand. I mean, no question about it. But, uh, William, I know we're uh, only going to be here for a few more minutes. I wanted to talk about this really fast as well because it happened right before we came on the air. And that is, uh, and I know uh, he's uh, a kid, that, uh, and I think we both, we agree, I I, I think his career arc should be like that of Marlon Humphrey. He should redshirt, get stronger, and then work his way into the lineup. Because certainly, uh, Josh Job, you hope to see him return next year for Alabama to be a senior corner. Patrick Sertain almost assuredly will go pro. So there will be a job open, but I think there's some younger players like a Marcus Banks uh, who has gotten to play some for Alabama this year. Uh, And then you'll have the the JUCO transfer, Kyrie Jackson, coming in. But Kool-Aid McKinstry, a.k.a., uh, you know, uh, for, uh, for Pinson Valley, Jaquincy. Uh, he commits to the University of Alabama. Uh, Sam Shade spoke at his press conference. No one surprised by this after what happened about a month ago. The recruitment swung back in favor of the Crimson Tide. The kid's a great athlete, uh, does have some, some issues with the 4-6 speed. But, again, one of your former teammates was the best I ever saw, Antonio Langham. And, he certainly had great football speed. He probably only clocked in the high four fives, but he played faster than that. But certainly, Jaquincy has potential. Going to need to get stronger and more physical, though, William. But another addition to this Alabama recruiting class and uh, and a guy that he could even play uh, safety. One of the talent evaluators I really trust, he thinks he's a better wide receiver uh, than he is a DB. So going to be interesting, but still a nice addition for Alabama. You know, I- I think it's a nice addition on paper. Um, you know, it's number one player in the state. I'd love to sit down and talk to the people that think this is the number one cornerback in the country because um, I, I, it must be a bad year. Um, you know, that, that that opening speed, that opening 40 time that was a lot closer to a 4.7 than a 4.6 um, raises a lot of red flags for me. You know, if this was a, a linebacker, 
um, or, or, you know, somebody that plays in a box and you only have to have, which he does have great lateral quickness. His, his uh, 5'10'5 is, is elite, but, you know, he doesn't have the top end speed to play corner. Is he ever going to have the size to play safety? I, you know, you're the, the, uh, the theory that you just threw out, you know, maybe he can be a, you know, a better wide receiver, but, I don't know how many good wide receivers I've seen, not named Jerry Rice, that were you know five five ten and a half, five eleven, and ran a four six five forty. Um, that that remains to be seen, but eh, just color me unexcited and unimpressed. Well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, he does show excellent ball skills and leaping ability on film. I, I do tend to agree that I mean, some of it there's been a lot of hype around him, so. Uh, you know, he's been hyped uh, since he was a freshman at Pinson Valley. He did help him win two football state championships and one in basketball. And I've seen him play basketball. Uh, outstanding athlete. I think he's more of a mid-major basketball player. Uh, certainly, uh, I, I don't see him playing for Nate Oates. I think he's going to end up concentrating on football ultimately. And we'll see how much better Nick Saban and the coaching staff can get him. I mean, I do think that he has potential. But, again, I don't see this as a situation where he starts as a true freshman. I think he's going to have to work, and and they have to decide: is he a safety? Is he a corner? Uh, you know, where, where where do his skills fit best? Uh, is he a guy that can is a really good route runner that can be a wide receiver? Though, as you said, William might not have the speed uh, to separate, even though he has excellent ball skills on film. So he's he's an intriguing prospect, uh, and it does it's a, it's certainly good on paper for Alabama as they continue their role, and uh, they've got probably. Three spots left. I think they'd like to get a wide receiver like a Brian Thomas from Walker, Louisiana. Watch out for him. He visited with Dallas Turner uh, last week for the Georgia game. Big wide receiver, 6'3", 6'4", excellent ball skills, good speed. Uh, and one of the, I know they've been recruiting him for two years. And then a couple of defensive linemen. I know they'd love to get a Mason Smith. That's going to be really tough to get him out of Louisiana. But certainly, and now LSU, you know, played much better yesterday and got a win. It's going to help their momentum. Uh, and then, of course, Shamar Turner. Shamar Turner, I think Alabama is going to be fighting Texas A&M. Texas A&M playing better now. Uh, but certainly, Alabama has been involved with Shamar Turner uh, for a while. He's a disruptive guy. And, they, and of course, uh, also Adelaide, uh, the, uh, the uh, Jalen Milrose uh, teammate in Texas. He's another defensive lineman that Alabama likes a lot. So, I think they want to add, you know, a, a few more pieces. But an outstanding recruiting class, ranked number one right now for Nick Saban. Hadn't been a lot of recruiting news going on until the commitment of Kool-Aid this, uh, or, you know, late this afternoon. But, again, a nice addition, and Alabama strengthens their hold uh, for number one. But, William, before we let you go, how do you kind of see this Alabama-Mississippi State game? You know, I, I, I certainly uh... – would feel comfortable, um, you know, taking the, what was it, 32 or 35 that they're favored by, mm -hmm. um, you know, with the way Alabama's offense is, you know, um, you know, blistered, you know, defenses that are a lot more talented than Mississippi State's. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think at some point, you know, this team's probably going to have a, a, an off week or a letdown, maybe looking ahead. And, um, you know, maybe this is that week. I don't know, but they certainly should make quick work of the Mississippi State Bulldogs. I don't. I don't expect them to struggle at all. And uh, Thomas, to bring you in, uh, how do you see this matchup against Mike Leach? Well, I have some egg on my face from this week, thinking that uh, Tennessee would be able to hang because Alabama would have some <laughs> struggles. So, no, I think this one. Mississippi State deserves a lot of credit for having a solid defense. But K.J. Costello, if he's available, has legitimately struggled to read any kind of zone defense. It's been an absolute disaster from that perspective. Uh, one of the reasons that Costello was so effective against, oh, um, against LSU excuse me, is that LSU was willing to just put corners on islands and – that's what Mike Leach wants. He will carve you up one-on-one. -on -one. So I think this team, like Leach's squad, have a serious, serious brain drain when it comes to overall talent. Uh, Alabama's going to have a, decisive, a decided talent advantage at virtually every position. I'm, 
I'm in I'm in Williams' headspace. You know, I think that 35 is something that Alabama will at least approach covering. I don't think they will, but I would take something like 55, 17, 52, 17, something in that range. It really depends on how long the starters on both offense and defense stay in the game. This really does feel like a great time to get Bryce Young some quality reps, maybe halfway through the third quarter, and start rotating really, really hard. Uh, I will say, when that happens, there will be some screw-ups, there will be some mistakes, there will be some headaches. But the thing about that is, I would rather take lumps against a bad team than throw players out against a better team and just have these crazy expectations. Right. Well, I, you know, I almost hit the Tennessee game on the head. I said 45-17. It was 48-17. I know A&M, excuse me, pardon me, Mississippi State has been good on defense, but I just can't, even without Jalen Waddle, I can't see them slowing this album offense down much. I'm, I'm in your ballpark, Thomas. I'm going to go 51-17 Alabama. I think, you know, that, uh, that, that they'll cover in this game. Uh, no doubt about it. I think they're going to play well. I mean, I didn't realize it was a 32-point favorite until, you know, William uh, mentioned that. That's that's gargantuan. Uh, but I still think that Alabama is going to dominate this game, hopefully get to the bye healthy, and then they'll have to worry about going to red stick to play LSU, regardless of who the quarterback at LSU is. Certainly the Tigers played better yesterday, but Will Muschamp's hapless. I mean, I think everybody understands he's – a dead man walking at some point. He just can't get it over the hump at South Carolina. Uh, he, he's a defensive coordinator, really, and nothing more. Uh, they just He just cannot get his team uh, to play consistent football. But I think Alabama, it has. I agree with you completely. I, I'd like to see them handle business in this game and in that second half play a lot of young players offensively, defensively. Let Bryce Young, as William mentioned, play behind that first-team offensive line a little bit in the third quarter, throw the football, see Trey Sanders run it, uh, see maybe Roy Dale Williams. We saw him briefly yesterday. Just see – and these young receivers, especially a Javon Baker, uh, see him get some reps and hopefully some confidence uh, going forward. Uh, because, again, COVID's still a concern, as is injuries. Uh, but I, I think – I expect Alabama to roll to 6-0 and and stay unbeaten. But uh, I know we're going to wrap it up here on uh, this Sunday edition of BAMS Radio uh, for Thomas the Wizard Watts. Great job producing and with his analysis and William Redfish Barger, you know, great insight being a former University of Alabama football player. Uh, I'm your host, Drew DeArmond. We hope everyone enjoyed this. Alabama 5-0, and number two in the country, rolling over Tennessee 48-17. And, of course, the maroon and white of Mike Leach and uh, those Bulldogs of Mississippi State next inside Bryant-Denny Stadium at 6 p.m. on ESPN. For everybody, good night, everyone, and we'll come to you next week. After Mississippi State, roll tide.